0: Hello, everyone. This is Noah and John. We are from Urban Digs. We are talking Manhattan. And, Johnny, we got a good one today. We're in the streets of New York City real estate. We got Jason Haber. Jason, say something so I could see you. What's
1: happening, everyone? I can take my mask off now, right? You can take your mask you off. It? I just wanted to I see I wore you. it just for you.
0: I know. It's beautiful, Jason. Jason is in, in the trenches. Where are you? What development site are you with, Jason.
1: Actually, I'm at 845 UN Plaza right now. This is uh, uh, three units that um, are in the middle of construction behind me here, as you can right. see. So, uh, it's being sold as is.
0: I love it. So when we say that we're in the trenches of Manhattan real estate, we're not even kidding. we yeah. are you. reporting right there. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I love it. So, so let's get started. People want to know what's going on. Jason, tell me right off the bat, is New York City dead?
1: No, so uh, I know it's easy to say, I know the obituary has been written. Um, The answer is no. Um, The common theme out there is for people to say things like, well, you know, we survived 9-11, survived Sandy, we survived the financial crisis, we'll survive this. I'd actually like to give you a better parallel, which is that we survived and barely uh, the Robert Moses years. Like you guys are, you're data guys, right? Like that's what you're known, like, the when i did when i did was it fox business last week And they had your data on there that's right like everyone knows you go to you guys for data okay pull up a chart of the population history of new york city from 1660 to today i want you to look at it when we get off the air or if anyone's watching or listening to this podcast now pull it up right now on google what you'll find is there is no 40 year period in 400 years of history where the population of New York City declined from start to finish of the 40-year period, except the 40-year period of 1940 to 1980, which are the the Robert Moses years. That was the most challenging period in the history of the city, and we survived that and thrived post that era, and we will do the same here. Population is, is destiny when it comes to cities, Um, So when you look at cities that have been eviscerated and sort of the, call it the post-World War II, uh, post even 1980s changes in industrialization in this country, you can track the the city's decline with the decline of populations. Obviously cities like Detroit and Flint will come to mind naturally. And so, um, so in New York, what we do want to be concerned about is anytime there's population drop, which there was before COVID hit. But I think that the, the pandemic gives us a, an ability to remake the city in ways that will make population rise. And so when we go back and look at a trend line, we'll see the dip in population, perhaps some acceleration here, but then we'll see over the next two, three, and four years out, the, the reverse. And I think you'll see really healthy population growth. For people who moved out now, a lot of those folks first a lot of them were, were renters. And we know that because we, we're seeing it in the rental market right now. But a lot of those people were thinking about moving out in one, two, and three years. And so what happened is COVID is an accelerant. It pushed their decision from the future to today, which is exactly why I tell my friends who are suburban brokers, don't spend all your commission now because in two and three years from now, you're looking at the popping of a major bubble out there. And so, because I think people who would have left two and three years ago left today will be less leaving then at the same time over the next two and three year period what i see happening in new york is it becoming more livable more sustainable more affordable which will attract a whole new cohort of people into the city and you'll see the city regenerate itself in new ways the city of pre-covid is definitely gone you know and not totally but in many ways it'll be gone but there will be something new there'll be this new iteration this new chapter for new york city and it's for those reasons why I'm very confident that the city is far from dead, and that there's a really exciting moment. Of course, we have to seize it, uh, but there's a really exciting moment ahead of us if we do and do it right.
2: Yeah,
0: you, you you really lay out some really interesting points, and I love I love the macro historical take on this. And I mean, you mentioned a couple of things that I think um, really resonate with with how I'm thinking about this whole thing. Number one, COVID as an accelerant. That is so true. And I mean, it's it's been an accelerant in terms of technology. It's been an accelerant right. in terms of, of of certain industries that 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 wouldn't be looked upon uh, otherwise. And it's been an accelerant for people making decisions, especially move-out decisions. Right? right? Not so much accelerant to move in. That's not really the type of accelerant this is. But if you think about anyone that's been in the city for. 10 20 30 40 years who has been remotely thinking about maybe it's time to move has probably had that accelerant um you know that force upon them and maybe they they made that decision and i always tell john when we talk about this we're in it we're in it i mean when 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 all right this is a once in a hundred year event right and again we're going to get to manhattan real estate in a second but this is a once in a hundred year event yeah Um, we're all new to all of this Right and and six months ago we were starting the whole thing, so it's been six months. Like we're in it, like so it's going to take time. And by time you mean like a year. So with that said, let's get right to Manhattan
1: real estate. What is going on in the streets? What do agents? What do buyers? And what do sellers need to know about deals? So I think it's important to talk to the brokerage community now because we tend to be the canaries in the coal mine. Like it's very hard to get real-time data like you can in say the stock market and understand if there's a move to technology stocks or airlines you know in real estate a lot of our data is we're looking it's looking backwards uh, by a few months because of the time from contract to close but what we're seeing now is if honestly i had you know if not for the calendar i had no idea that we're as we're recording this barreling into labor day weekend where even in a good year we would be really um it would be a slow time. Usually we say our slowest two weeks of the year, the, the last two weeks of August, uh, you know, it's been anything, but, um, you know, I think you're going to find in the, on the rental market, obviously a, a different story in the rental markets. It's, it's, it's very slow. Um, from what I understand and that there's a lot of concessions out there right now in the, in the sale market, um, you know, buyers are out there making offers, um, um, the last week, I've gotten four done a- at price points that, are, that range, and um, there, people are, there's an expectancy that you're going to get a, a better value than you would six months ago, and that's okay. Um, the, the, the trick is after the financial crisis or during the financial crisis, um, no one knew where the bottom was, and people didn't have money because of what was happening on, on Wall Street, so there was fear out there. <laughs> Look what's happening on Wall Street right now—totally divorced from the national economy, which is right. scary. But in Manhattan, where that—that's so much of our market—you're—we're um, finding that there are a lot of the, the the folks who work on Wall Street are interested in in taking profits and putting it into real estate because they see value here, and they've made a lot of money over the last three months. The last three months have been like three years of profits. You wrap into five months of of, of gains. I mean, it, it's been unbelievable. So very different from the financial crisis. This is not the same market at all. That's not to say I want to paint a rosy picture. Obviously, prices are not what they were. Um, if you're a seller and you're on the market right now, you have to be prepared for some level of capitulation to reality, or you're not going to move it. But if you are prepared for that, you will. Um, the apartment that I'm in right now, we have we have we have seven bids on it. Wow, um,
2: that's fantastic. So. Could I, could I just dig yeah. into that for a second, Jason, which is just to yeah. talk about yeah. sort of like, you know, one of the things that's really difficult right now, and as you mentioned, it is, you know, the data we have is, is rear view mirror data. At best, it's a few weeks, usually it's a few months out. So when we talk about price and we talk about, you know, where is the market now, usually we look at that in terms of what's the listing discount from where I price it to where I'm going to get that offer, the offer accepted. And I'm curious, know when you look at your sellers when they go to price it at what level are they willing to capitulate is it five percent ten percent yeah and on the same side the buyers so what are the buyers looking at are they automatically subtracting five percent ten percent i mean
1: where is the what's the spread look like okay so that's a great question so every every situation is a little bit different a lot of it depends on if there were any price drops if you were in the market before covid did you hold at that market when that value when we came back on in june or did you drop if you if you dropped there's you, your, here was probably a smart move. Five or 10% is probably where you're going to land. If you didn't, it's probably going to be more, uh, more steep. We're also finding that um, under 2 million, there seems to be a lot more uh, activity out there than, say, over. And as you get higher, um, less so, at least for now. I would warn everyone, people forget that, like, even though we're in a pandemic, the very rich go away at the end of August and they have so this year and maybe in different ways. Um, but I can tell you in my own experience, I have lots of ultra high net worth clients who are back post Labor Day and we're already making plans to look at the very high end property. So I, I think that's going to happen after Labor Day. I think you'll see that that market start to catch up a little bit. Um, again, I forget. It's like it doesn't feel like Labor Day, like we're coming into Labor Day weekend right now, but it, it is here. And um, it's just it's just so different out there. So. um so, you know, sellers, are at five to 10 is, is the range we, we're, we've talked about, and it's mostly where deals, deals have gotten done so far, the ones that I've been a part of.
2: Right. And just to follow up on the whole New York City is not dead um, and the Exodus talk, are, are you finding sellers to be desperate, or is it a case-by-case basis there as well?
1: So it's case-by-case. Case. There are some that are selling now because they think in six months from now, it'll be worse. There are some who are selling now simply out of need. Like sometimes in real estate, you just just have to sell. Now's just the time to sell. Um, for sellers that don't really need to sell right now, that's the basket where you know they're, they're probably going to be less inclined to negotiate on price. They may be prepared for a long haul. And I tell people long haul in this market, maybe two or three years. We just don't know. I remember in 2009, one of the lessons that I learned was people were saying to me, I don't wanna buy now because the prices are going to go down. I'm not gonna buy now because the prices were going to go down. And then prices started to go up and they said to me, I'm not gonna buy now, prices are going up. Like you never can time the bottom perfectly. What we do know is when you buy on dips in Manhattan, it's when you make the most return. And so you couple that with low interest rates. And if you have some sense of historical perspective, um, you're 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 timing this very well. You're probably really confident about your purchase.
0: Yeah, I, and John, I'm getting pretty confident at this point to say that that New York City is is a buy, flat out buy. Because I mean, we're 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 priced in. You know what I'm saying? Like like these these deflationary forces are priced in at this point. I'm not so sure you're getting as good of a deal as you got if you if you put a bid in in, in April or May, um, when it
2: was a little scarier. Right. You know. Um, yeah, I certainly, but, I certainly think the panic trades are, are, are a thing of the past. I don't think we're going to see listing discounts yeah. in the neighborhood of 20 to 30%. Like, and we did yeah. see a few of those, uh, earlier in the summer or late spring, but I guess, yeah. you go know, to your point and to Jason's point, you know, you, you talk about that Robert Moses period and from the forties to the eighties. And, you know, that was the great exodus to the suburbs. That was when the suburbs really finally established themselves. And, you know, Robert Moses made the, made the exit possible by building the roads to get people out of the city. Um, but when you think about the exodus, quote, unquote, now, and I'm, and I'm wondering, is there a price level to which people will come back to the city regardless of of, of the the noise out there? Is this a purely price-driven market? I mean, it, it, do we get to a certain price and people are going to say, you know what, the city's a buy? Or do we have to get to a point where the city has to be both livable and a buy at the same time?
1: No, I mean, I think their livability is an important factor here. One thing I want to point out, it wasn't just that Moses was building the highways and roads that led out to the suburbs. But the government was funding that move by guaranteeing loans. The 30-year mortgage came out during this period where they would loan on single-family homes in the suburbs. At the same time, you couldn't get loans in certain parts of the city because of redlining, and there were literally neighborhoods where you could not get a loan. So it pushed people out to the suburbs. So what we need right now is sort of that reverse thinking from the government where we need people to be encouraged to come uh, to live, you know, not to be, a, you know, to have opportunity to live here. And I think you need, you need the livability component. You need a governmental support component. But people will choose cities. I mean, people at the end of the day want to be in a city more or less when you talk to people. For the first time in human history, human history, right? The more people live in cities across the world than live in rural communities. Uh, that change just happened within the last decade. So, we're seeing more and more this migration to, um, to cities, and I don't think that's a trend that technology is going to change, the pandemic's going to change, but the cities have to adapt for this world, for the, for the, for the technology shifts, for the post-pandemic shifts, because um, we know that the pandemic has an expiration date. We don't know when it is, but knock on wood, you know, we have a vaccine Q1, Q2 next year, and uh, people, enough people get it, where we're now in a post-COVID world, okay, what does that mean? What does it mean for the city? Um, are we ha- how, what does it mean for transportation? What does it mean for livability? What does it mean for sustainability? What does it mean for education? What does it mean for housing? What does it mean for healthcare? All these things have to be addressed. And if you do it and do it well, the city is going to be in terrific shape and all those people who bought now before we did all those things are going to be, uh, as we say, in the money.
0: Yeah. And Jason, I think New York City is at the crossroads right now with that, man. We 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 are at the crossroads and yes. we need new leadership and we, we need we need good leadership. We need good policy. These are very fixable things. Let's not forget, Jason, that that the peak cycle in two thousand fifteen where we, we peaked out and we started coming down, that was a policy driven reset since that. There was there was a number of policy changes that that made right. New York City um, less affordable, um, um, more tenant friendly, less investor friendly, et cetera, et cetera. And, and New York City prices um, accommodated and came down um, as a result of that. It was policy driven over, over a period of time. But let me just ask you this, because um, we're getting towards the end here. And when you, when you look at deals you're putting together in the streets right now, I mean, because that's what people want to know, right? They want to know where the market yeah. is from. And I know there's no simple answer to that. But is it easier? Like when you look at the deals you put together, is it easier to get the seller to come down or is it easier to get the buyer to come up these days? Like where's the, where's the, the bottleneck happening right now?
1: So believe it or not, I I have, I haven't had it with sellers. It's been getting buyers comfortable coming up. In one case, we had an accepted offer. We had to retrade down a little bit because the buyer got cold feet and the seller said to me, look, this buyer they're you know they're all cash they're really well qualified i don't want to lose them i'll take fifteen thousand less just to keep them in the deal and they jumped at it they took it so i'm finding that most sellers right now are under uh, they know the scoreboard right and if you know the scoreboard you know who's got the leverage and who doesn't and if you're really aware of that um that's very helpful in getting deals done if you're a buyer right now though just understand this, and I think this is important. If you're in the market to buy right now, if, when you see COVID if it's a, as a Roar Shark test, you don't see fear at the end of the city, you're thinking long-term. If you're buying right now, it's because the accelerant didn't work on you, and you're like, no, this is the time to buy. So it also means that that buyer has some motivation to do a deal right now, and that uh, if they really want something, they're not necessarily going to walk away over a few thousand dollars either. So it works both ways. Love it.
2: Yeah, that's great stuff. So as we close this out, Jason, I mean, how do you, Just some, I just like would love to hear what your tips for agents out there are. And I would love to see like, you know, on, on a day-to-day basis, how are you looking at the market?
1: How are you talking to your clients at different levels about what's just happening? First of all, I think right now is the time for to, to return to the clients you've worked with in the past, the ones who have the most trust and faith in you. I think it's very difficult to build relationships when you're in the foxhole. I think you want to have them before you get into the foxhole. And um, I think now's the time for agents to really go back through the Rolodex and, Rolodex and call every single person they've worked with before. Check in. Hey, how you doing? You know, is there anything I can do? in any way I can help you? Like, how's everyone been? See if there are ways you can add value to their, to their life right now. Um, I think that that's really important. I know we're always, always about the, like the shiny object, like the new client, the next client. But I think right now is a really good time to focus on your core business and find if you can if you can help past clients. I think I think that's more important. I think it's difficult to add a lot of new clients right now. I mean, you can, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a core something you should be focused on exclusively right now. Um, I think that would help uh, people a lot. And then the second thing is. I think it's really important now more than ever to really be educated about what's happening out there because buyers will ask you questions. Like you've asked me, you need to know this stuff. You need to know what the, what the, what the drops have been. You need to understand what deals are getting done what isn't getting done. Um, you know, what's out there. Uh, if you don't, you're not adding value in a way that's going to really help a client. And I, and that's what they need right now. I like they, they need information, good information. And I think if you could be their trusted advisor, you can go a long way towards cementing the relationship even more. And that w- will lead to more business either from them or from their referral network.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's so true. This is such an opportunity to to place yourself as the trusted advisor by guiding them through right. this this. This this ugly cloudy period, you know. Use right. data to manage the expectations, to give them instrumentation so they can fly that plane through the clouds and see where they're going. And when when clients have data, they and they have it from someone that they trust, um, they'll make smarter decisions. And those smarter decisions will be
2: quicker decisions.
0: And we're in a transaction business. So this this right, is fantastic. Hundred percent. Jason Haber, thank you so much. Jason Haber from Warburg Realty, you are the man. Um, be careful. Out pretty strong. I love it. John Walkup of Urban Diggs, you are the man also. Thank
1: you so much. I am Noah Rosenblatt. We are from Urban Digs. This is Talking Manhattan. We'll catch you next time.